So this is John 6, 60 through 71. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the man of God, the, sorry, then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to, to betray him. All right, cool. Well, let's pray. And then um, after I pray, I just want to invite you guys to open up to John chapter 6. We're going to be uh, in there for most of our time during uh, the sermon. So I invite you guys to pray with me now. Father God, I thank you so much for this time. And Lord, as we continue on in this series of doing life together, Father, uh, I pray that your spirit will continue to speak to us. Father, in, in a world where we hear so many different things and we hear all this information and we're receiving so many things, Lord, sometimes it's hard to hear your word. So, Father, I pray that you would tune our hearts, tune our ears to listen to what you have to say to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. So John ch chapter 6 is a really long chapter. We're going to spend most of our time in the second half of it, the reading that uh, Gwen just read for us. But one of the things that I was thinking about is humans are kind of funny in the way that we kind of interact. We, we kind of have this, this, these patterns that we continue to follow that we sometimes can't break. Right? Maybe it's the pattern of when you're done with work, you come home, and immediately you turn on uh, TV, and you just continue to watch The Office over and over again. Maybe it's like you've seen it like eight times already, but you just can't help but watch it. Like you you kind of want to start other shows and other TV, but really you just kind of go back to The Office over and over again. Right? It's just a classic show. Right? Or, or maybe it's things that um, you just kind of can't help after eating or eating. Uh, after dinner. Maybe it's like a dessert that you guys have that you just crave sometimes and you just cannot, you can't help yourself. Or, or maybe it's with the words that you say. Maybe there are certain phrases or things that you, you say and use on a regular basis that you sometimes just can't break those habits, right? I, I know for me, to be honest, I'm, this is kind of weird, I, I'm more of a socially awkward person in public sometimes. And, and so sometimes there are things that I say that I just can't help. It just kind of like splurts out of the mouth. And, and so most of the time when I'm either at the movie theater or at, the rest, at a restaurant, I usually just kind of blurt things that I don't even realize I'm saying. Like, I'll be at the ticket booth, and I'll be talking with somebody and getting my ticket from the, the person, and she'll say, here you go, sir. Here's your ticket. Enjoy the movie. I'm like, thanks. You too. And I'm like, no, not you too. You're already working at the, and I just kind of blurt things out. Or I'm at a restaurant, and they're like, enjoy your meal. And I'm like, you too. And I just kind of, like, awkward. I'm like, I, I can't help but say that. And one of the things most recently that I've discovered is uh, something that was revealed to me by uh, someone who knows me second best, which is my wife, um, 
it was about a month ago. It was uh, right before the day I was preaching, um, the beginning of August. It was a Saturday night at 9.30. I was kind of getting ready uh, to kind of go over my message one more time, get ready for bed, kind of just in the new kind of transition before uh, the next day. And so I'm talking with my wife, Chrissy, and I'm explaining to her kind of my, my message and just kind of going through it and talking it through with her. And in the middle of the conversation, she's like, wait, 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 stop. And I'm like, what? She's like, you're doing that thing that you do. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, that, that phrase, you use it over and over again, nonstop. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I was just explaining to you my message. What, what are you saying? She's like, whenever you talk to people, whenever you give a message, for the past couple months, I've, I've, I've heard you say this over and over again, and I just haven't found the right time to say it. And you use this phrase as a whole, as like a filler. And I'm like, why are you telling me this now, the night before I'm about to preach, like the next day? Like, I, that's going to be in my head, and I'm going to get thrown off completely. And maybe so, like some of you guys, you guys might have phrases that you use, like the words like or um, or maybe use a phrase as a whole. And for some of you guys here, you guys might be like, I'm done with the sermon. I'm just going to wait till he says as a whole uh, as we go through this message. But, but please don't. Please uh, tune into uh, what I have. But it's sometimes we get into these kind of cycles that we can't break. And sometimes it's funny, like using the phrase as a whole or saying you two at a, at a movie theater. But, but maybe sometimes there are some more unhealthy habits that we can't break. Sometimes there are things that kind of hurt our neighbor or hurt ourselves or, or hurt our relationship with God that we just can't seem to shake. But Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. He says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. There's this inside kind of nature that wants me to keep doing the things that I don't really want to do that's actually not good for me, and yet I can't stop doing it. And so we get into this cycle as, as human beings, and we end up in this cycle not only with each other, but also in our relationship with God as well. Here, here's the cycle, right? So when we're in our, our cycle with our relationship with God, it usually goes like this. God shows up, does something incredible, or, or we experience something that's really great, and we give praise to him, right? Maybe we, we post something on social media, we're like, oh, thank God he was able to get me out of this accident. It was really great. Or, or something magnificent happened, and we're just giving praise to him, or we're saying, wow, that was a really great situation, right? And then we get into this kind of mindset of like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll put a couple more dollars in the offering, or, or maybe I'll, I'll pray a little bit more, or I'm in this really good rhythm, God, like you and me, we're, we're clicking, and maybe I'll stay in your word a little bit longer each morning. And then eventually something else happens, right? We get distracted. Maybe we tend to lean towards something else that we think will satisfy us. And so we start to go off the rails a little bit, and we begin to disobey God. And then we get to a point where whatever that thing that turned us away from God, we realize it doesn't really fill us up, right? We get to a point where, where there's some sort of punishment or consequence because that's what happens whenever we fall against God, right? There's always a consequence that happens when we go against God's word. And, and then we end up figuring out what happened. And there's this moment where we realize that there's nowhere else to turn but to God himself and to repent, Maybe we end up in a place where we're like, ah, God, I need to start changing my ways. I need to start changing my behavior. And God, I really just need something to happen. 
and then God delivers and rescues you or, or shows you something great that happens again or another circumstance happens where you give praise to God and then you go through that cycle over and over again, right? You start to praise him, follow after him a little bit more, then you fall off the rails a little bit and then you turn back to God and then he shows up again. And so we're in this continuous cycle with our relationship with God over and over again. Well, it's kind of like the experience that, it's not just that happens with the American church, but it happens all throughout the world, and it happens all throughout Scripture as well. And one of the uh, stories I want to share with you is back in the story of the Exodus that will lead us to chapter 6 of John. And there's this story where uh, you guys have heard the Exodus story, right? The, the Israelites leave Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. They kind of had to take a carry-on bag because they were kind of in a hurry because all these plagues were happening, all these terrible things were happening in Egypt. So they didn't have anything to eat or drink. And so they're in the wilderness, and they're complaining to God. They're like, God, why did you leave us out here to starve? Like, we might as well have just eaten back in Egypt as slaves. But, but God still provides for them by giving them this bread from heaven, which is called manna. And this word manna literally means, what is this? He gives them this bread from heaven that is, what is this? And it's like this dew that falls down like grass that they collect and they, they put together and they make and it turns into like this kind of wafer with a little bit of honey on it. And they eat that for 40 years in the wilderness. So, so God shows up in the beginning of the cycle, right? And they give praise to God, right? They're, they're eating, they're fed, which is great. But eventually they get into a point where they start disobeying God, right? God says, hey, I want you to eat everything that's on your plate. I want you guys to eat everything that you collect. Otherwise, things are going to happen. And they disobey God, and this manna that they collect and they leave out ends up having maggots in them. So, so now they're dealing with maggots, and they're dealing with manna, this, this what is this stuff. And then again, they start to disobey God because God says, hey, on the Sabbath, I want you to rest. I want you to relax. I want you, the day before the Sabbath, collect a double portion so you don't have to go out and collect any manna. Well, they wait until the Sabbath day to collect more manna, and again, they don't listen, and there's, there's no manna for them. There's no food for them to be able to eat. So again, they, they go through these consequences over and over again, and they continue to disobey God to the point where they end up worshiping a golden calf, right? And yet God still, in his love and mercy, provides for them by giving them manna for 40 years in the wilderness. He continues to provide for them and feed them for 40 years in the wilderness, and in chapter 6, we start to see this cycle being played out all over again. You see, in the beginning of John chapter 6, what happens is Jesus feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. So, so he's feeding about 15,000 people with just a couple of loaves of bread and fish. You guys know this story, right? So, so he's with these crowds, and he's feeding them, and then he goes off somewhere else, and these crowds are ecstatic to be around Jesus. They want to see Jesus do all these miracles. They want to be fed again. And so they start to like stalk Jesus in like this creepy way. They're like, there he is, there he goes. And they go around the Sea of Galilee and they try to meet up with him. Well, halfway through uh, John chapter 6, Jesus approaches the crowds and, and he has to have a conversation with them. And this is what he says in John chapter 6, verse 26 to 27, if you're following along. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, we want this bread. Yeah, we're hungry. Yeah, we want this bread that'll fill us up to eternal life. Yeah, we want this. Jesus, give us this bread always. And this is where Jesus kind of turns the conversation. 
he compares himself to the manna that was found in the Exodus that their ancestors ate. He's like, guys, I want you to understand this. I, I am the bread from heaven. More specifically, I, I am the bread of eternal life. And I want you to receive this eternal life by, by eating my flesh and, and taking of me. Because, because when I give you myself, I give you all of me. And unfortunately, this is when the crowds start to take a step back. This is where the crowds start to grumble against each other. This is where the crowds start to figure out, what does this mean, Jesus? I, I, don't, I don't understand. This is weird. I, I don't know if I fully agree with what you're saying, Jesus. This is what they say in verse 60. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And that phrase, hard saying, literally means insufferable like hard to live with, like, like it's a hard pill to swallow. And, and unfortunately, six verses later, it says this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And, and what Jesus starts to see is that he sees this cycle that's happened over and over again, as if they were in the wilderness with the manna again. But, but the beauty of the gospel is this, is that Jesus tries to break the cycle with the people and his relationship with them through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, so that we could have eternal life with him. Right? Jesus provides this off-ramp from this cycle by putting it on himself. Instead of God putting the punishment on the rest of the people for their disobedience, what God does is he puts the punishment on his only son, Jesus. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So that in him, in Christ, we might have a right relationship with God. And that's really great. That, that's good news for us today. But, but I kind of want to go back to the crowds for a second. Because to be very honest with you, it, it can be very easy and very tempting to walk away from Jesus. J John Piper, uh, he quotes it like this. He says, sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. I don't know about you guys, but there are moments in my life that I'm not satisfied with God. There are moments in my life that I, that I struggle to hang on to Jesus' words because I see some other shiny object or something else that I think will satisfy me. You know, we find ourselves constantly at war with the word. And to be honest, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. It's great. To be fair, the gospel is oftentimes offensive to people. I mean, think about sometimes why people reject this gospel. People reject the gospel for all kinds of reasons, right? It removes control of our own lives, and it places it in the hands of a creator that we cannot see. It reveals all sorts of broken parts that are within us, and it's hard for us sometimes to be vulnerable to the God of creation. 
And it shows us that we can't even fix the problems that we have on our own. And it also limits the things that, that we should and should not do. And what happens is that we're in this tug of war between the rest of the world and the word of God. We're constantly going back and forth between leaving behind all that we know and going to a place that we don't even know and realizing that there's no place for us to really turn. Oftentimes we we end up going to the world to try to satisfy our needs to be filled up with some sort of bread that doesn't well up to eternal life that doesn't give us freedom in Christ. And so we find ourselves with nowhere else to turn but to God himself. And so now we're challenged with this question that Jesus asked the original 12 to the disciples. He asked the question, do you want to go as well? Do you want to leave like the rest of the crowds? And to be fair, there might be moments when we see God's word, when we're challenged with life's hardships, where we're like, yeah, I might want to walk away from it all. But, but, but I think Peter says it best in, in John chapter 6, verse 68. He, he asks this question, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? There's nothing left for us out there. People give all these promises, and there are these these, these great things that that are only temporary. Where are we going to go, Jesus? But, But you? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words that will satisfy us. What are some things, what are some of Jesus' words that we find ourselves at war with? As you read scripture, as you hear God's word, what are some things that we find ourselves at war with? Because I think like the disciples, our anchor to faith is holding tight to that eternal life that we have in him. The, the reality is we do life together with God and with other people is that we're human and he's God. And there are going to be moments where we are at tension and at war with him. But, but just like the disciples, hanging on to that cross and that empty tomb, as we see blood run down and realize it's not our own blood, but it's the blood of Jesus that covers our shame, our guilt, and breaks the cycle, we realize that we have a God that wants to set us free. We have a God that wants to do eternal life together with us. And this eternal life on this side of the resurrection starts right now. So so what will you do with that gift that God has given to you in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, sin is, is the things that we do when our heart is not satisfied with you. Father, we we wrestle and we fight and we kick and we scream, and yet, Lord, you continue to send your Son to pursue after us. You continue to, to show us that this bread of life that we take of is eternal life. Even though we might struggle with what you say, with what we read, with what we hear, Father, we know 
that you are for our good. Father, I pray that as we are in this war with the word, Lord, that that you reign over all things. That you continue to show us that, that you are God and we are not. As we see the cross and the empty tomb of your son Jesus lay down his life for us so that we might have eternal life together with you and with others. Father, as we go into this time of confession, Lord, I pray that we lay down those things that we find ourselves at war with in silence. Father, create in us a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Father, as we later on in this service take of communion, Lord, as we take of this bread of life that was given for us, help us to be reminded that, that we should taste and see that you are good and, and, and that we are good because of your son, Jesus. Lord, forgive us for the times that we wrestle against you, Lord, for the times that we, we fight and we strive for other things, Lord. Lord, turn our eyes to you, the creator and father of our souls. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray, and all God's children said, amen.